Hi everyone, it's Gigi, and welcome to another episode of the Successful Failure Podcast. Wow, guys, it's been a long time, and I know this without even looking because we're coming up on the second anniversary of GenKind24, um, a virtual conference on kindness that I did with some very good friends and amazing speakers and about 3,000 viewers. Uh, But I also know that during that time I had put this podcast on hiatus. So it's taken me a long time to come back, which is part of what we're going to talk about today. And I also wanted to thank the many people who continued to find the podcast and listen and send questions and interact and comment over these last few years. No small thanks to the many guests like C.C. Chapman and William Gallagher and Chris Bledsoe and Mark Pittman who were not only fun to talk to but just bared their souls and shared some really great information for people who were just looking online to find someone who had maybe hit the pitfalls they had but still managed to climb out of that to the successes where they wanted to be because that's what we talk about right we talk about the failures that led to our success and each one of those guests were very gracious in revealing those failures and i want to say thanks to each of them so like i said it's been a long time and i have to tell you i've sat here for the last hour frozen in front of the microphone finding every reason i could not to hit record you know, the dogs were barking, John's down in the shop making noise. Um, For those of you who don't know, John, he is my partner and he's an amazing woodworker and making amazing architectural woodwork is a noisy endeavor. Uh, So anyway, I've been sitting here thinking of all the reasons not to hit record and I finally hit record and now let's move forward. So I wanted to talk to you guys about something that I I hesitate to frame as a failure because we're going to be getting into the topic of mental health today and specifically depression. And while depression can lead to many failures in life, I don't want to frame depression itself as a failure because it is a condition, at least in a disease, really, for many people. Um, So I'm not calling depression a failure. I want to just put that out there right now. And for those of you who are also suffering with depression or living with depression, as I do, um, please don't take it that way. Please know that I'm not framing it that way, nor am I calling anybody who is dealing with depression a failure. So I want to just be very clear and get that out. However, depression has led to the series of failures for me that have kept this podcast off the air. So I'd be remiss in returning without touching on that. So depression, the big bad D. Um, I think it's hard to hate depression without feeling like you're hating yourself. I don't know that that's really a revelatory statement, but it's just what popped into my brain. But what I was thinking about earlier was um, the number of people who are now courageously talking about depression, writing online about depression, quite honestly, uh, building a career around depression, which I don't see as mercenary because if you are living with depression and it's taken over your life, the only way you're going to earn a living is to find a way to integrate it. So these have all been really rolling around in my brain as I've 
done my interaction with the online world and really one of the things that I think at least for me depression does in addition to driving you inward uh, physically and not leaving the house it also tends to drive me and many of us inward into the online space so the many things good or bad that we can say about social media and the online world it does give people with depression a place that could be a refuge or quite honestly a wasteland or even a war zone but at the end of the day it tends to drive us inward and in my inward reflections i've been online and really taking note of the people who are courageously talking about this and i actually don't want to name names because i still do deal with brain fog sometimes um I also had a concussion in the last few years, so I think between post-concussion and depression, my brain's a little foggy, and I know some people who have confided this to me in confidence versus people who have talked about it openly online, and I would hate to mix those two up and reveal a name of someone who doesn't want to be revealed. So really, go online, Google depression, go to Twitter and put in the hashtag depression, and if you're curious to find people who are writing about it and talking about it, uh, those are two great ways to do it. And actually, hashtags. Hashtags are something that I really wanted to talk about. Um, and trust me, it relates to this. If not, if at first tangentially, then really integrally. So people have tried to ex- ask me, have asked me to try to explain to them what's the big deal with a hashtag beyond what we call in the U.S. the pound symbol, uh, the symbol over the number three on your desktop or laptop keyboard. And hashtags for me, my first response is always that hashtags are online communities. And I say this because the first hashtag I became intimately involved with, so talk about community, I I have had intimate relationships with hashtags. The first hashtag I became intimately involved with was us guys. Hashtag USGUIS. And for a long time, the us guys hashtag was really um, taking over certain corners of the internet. And I would say all in positive ways. It was bringing people together on chats. It was one of the first big chats I found online, but not only for any sort of us guys Twitter chat, the us guys hashtag would pop up all throughout the day. Um, in random conversations. It would pop up on other people's Twitter chats. You could go to blog chat, for example, which was a chat that I frequented uh, far more than I do now. I miss you, Mac, and everybody over at blog chat. You guys are wonderful. But one of the first times I saw an us guys hashtag pop up repeatedly was actually on blog chat. And I was like, whoa, double hashtag. Wacky. Aren't you only supposed to use one? You know, what are the rules? Um, But I'd remembered seeing us guys before and sort of tweeting it out, even though I hadn't been formally indoctrinated. I would be in a a conversation with a group of people, and they were all sharing that us guys hashtag, and I wanted to be in the conversation, and I would start sharing it. And what that us guys hashtag led me to one night on blog chat was meeting Joseph Haslam. Uh, Joseph then asked me, through many Twitter exchanges, if I would be part of a 140 conference up in Montreal um, that was being organized by Mila Araujo. And Mila, also part of the Us Guys tribe, 
um, very graciously seconded Joseph's invitation. And this then led me to another hashtag experience because now I've sort of dipped my toe into the world of us guys and meeting people all through the us guys world. Ty Sullivan, Sid Hasim, Gary Nix, uh, Amy Vernon, who I'll talk about in a minute, Sam Parado, Nick Kellett. I'm saying all these names just to give you a sense. I mean, just the smallest sense of the people behind this symbol on a keyboard on a platform on the internet. And Joseph Emila's invitation led me to be a speaker at 140 in Montreal. So now through this little symbol, I've found myself blog chat, which has been a community solely online and us guys, which then draw drew me from this online only world to this online slash offline world of 140 conferences which led me to going to the 140 in New York and meeting Jeff Pulver and getting to see Chris Brogan and meeting Diane and Steve. And you kind of get the idea, right? These communities just build and build upon themselves. And it's, it's way more than just living inside the box of the internet. It's actually meeting people and grasping hands and looking into somebody's eyes and becoming friendly and exchanging hugs and checking in on people at the end of the day. And all of these hashtags led me to a hashtag that has ultimately changed my life in probably the biggest way. I found out from my us guys, Jackie Lee Shelley and Steph Montre. I found out from them through a chat on Facebook, I think, about this awesome conference coming up called MisfitCon. And this was now maybe four years ago. And MisfitCon was being held by uh, AJ Leon and his beautiful wife, Melissa. And it was going to be in Fargo, North Dakota. It was a conference with no website and no agenda. So you had no idea who the speakers would be and you had to apply to get there. Um, the fee was very small, but first year application had to be accepted. Now, I certainly knew that I felt like a misfit probably before I even knew the word existed or, or what it meant whether it be a misfit in my family, which I think we can all relate to in our teenage years. My my misfitness, though, started before then and has extended past that. Um, misfits in the workplace, misfits in school. There was always a different drummer that I seemed to be marching to. There was a different song playing inside my head. I never really belonged to any one group. So I heard there was going to be a conference called MisfitCon, and they were still accepting applications. And I didn't even need to see a website or an agenda. I just knew I wanted to put my application in, which I did. Um, and I was very grateful to Jackie for bringing this up inside of the Us Guys community, or quite frankly, I never would have heard about it. But I put my application in, and we were probably maybe two or three months away from when the conference was going to be held, and I just never heard back. And time goes by, and I totally forget about it. And I get an email from Melissa saying that she, had, she hadn't seen my application, it had come in and she hadn't seen it, it had gotten misplaced or, or whatever. You know, it was a very gracious email. Whether or not it had gotten misplaced, I know that she was writing me to tell me that, oh my gosh, of course, please join us in Fargo. We'd love to have you. Welcome to Misfits and MisfitCon. And 
I was over the moon excited, even though I was going to a place that I had never been to, knew nothing about beyond, like many other people, the movie, which, heads up guys, wasn't even filmed in Fargo, but that's a whole other story. And I was going to go to a place where there was not one other soul I had met in person who was going to be there. And I was just throwing caution to the wind. And that has led me to the greatest hashtag community of my life. Uh, my misfits are my chosen family. I would put myself in harm's way for any one of them just as quickly as I would for any other family member. Um, the misfits have been an amazing group. In terms of what MisfitCon created, it created a community of people from around the world uh, who come together to collaborate and figure out ways to make dents in the universe. And that could be a whole other conversation but my point here is this hashtag community of MisfitCon and my memory which came to me so clearly this morning of just kind of standing off by myself and looking around because I'm one of those introvert extrovert people I'd love to have a conversation put me on a stage in front of a few thousand people and I know because I've done this and I will be your rock star drop me in a room of about 30 to 40 people and I need to take a little bit of time to warm up before I find that person to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I'm standing there and I see AJ and he's finally off by himself and I really wanted to thank him. I wanted to thank him for an experience that I hadn't even had yet and that I had no idea what it was, what it was gonna be. But yet I felt compelled to thank him. And I went over to him and stuck out my hand and said, you know, AJ, we've never met. I'm Gigi and he stopped me and he said, I know who you are and I'm really glad that you're here. And that was one of the best, warmest welcomes I think I've ever gotten at any event um, because it was so genuine and it was so typically AJ and delivered in, you know, with his, his warm smile and his handshake that then turns into a hug as he pulls you in and in his own in, inimitable way. And then he, asked me what I thought of, you know, things and what I was most excited about. And I said, I, I can't wait to see who's going to be speaking tomorrow. And he pointed to this tall blonde woman who had just entered the room in a long flowing skirt and turquoise earrings and with a smile that shines for days. And she looked so familiar to me. And he said, that's Pam, Pamela Slim. She wrote, and I said, oh my gosh, she wrote Cubicle Nation. I know who Pamela Slim is. That's Pamela Slim. He said, yeah, she's our first speaker tomorrow. Let me introduce you. And I met Pam, and she is now not somebody I see often except for online. Hi, Pam. Um, but she is my sister, and I feel very fondly and warmly taught towards Pam. And she's somebody who... Ironically, we both have children from men named Daryl. We both have mixed race children. Her husband, Daryl, is a healer and a Native American and a wonderful, wonderful soul. And my ex-husband, Daryl, is an African American. And we both have these beautiful mixed race children. And while you don't see Pam's blonde hair or my green eyes in our babies, uh, trust us, we're there and we can be there for each other to support each other or just say hi whenever our kids need anything. It's all part of a bigger family because really it does take a village. 
And I'm going through this really long story, again, to really try to drive home the point behind a hashtag and the people behind a hashtag. And I, I haven't even talked about the many, many people who are dear to my heart and who have come into my life through Misfit and who I do see online as well as offline and who I could pick up the phone and call at any time if I was in a bad place and they would be there. And depression doesn't care. Depression will take you away from everything. So even with this safe space online and this network at my disposal uh, brought to me by my hashtag families, depression was only leading me down the path of failures, of failures to get out of bed, of failures to complete my work on time, failures to give my clients the attention they deserved or go build new relationships. I hate to say prospecting because I don't think we prospect for people. I think you prospect for minerals and gold and uh, precious metals, but we don't prospect for people. So I hate the notion of prospecting for clients. I do love the idea of meeting people and building relationships and coming to it that way. But depression certainly was not going to allow me that success. And I think for many people, you could hear that and say, well, just choose to do differently. And I could tell you that I tried. I I would have my many successes, my days where I could get up and go to the gym. Um, Working out is really, for me, a wonderful thing when I'm in that fog of depression. Um, I had an antidepressant that I had become reliant on that helped really limit the fog to where I could see clearly enough to, to maintain for a while, but never never reach for the stars. I was always reaching for the next branch on the tree. And sometimes that's all you can do. And sometimes it has to be good enough. But I have this fire so deep down inside of me to reach for the stars and this inability to get there. I I would just say to those who I would talk to about this, that I could see this entire world and it was just outside of my reach. It was like being in a bubble or behind a veil and you just could never reach to the other side. And it led to so many failures inside of what I wanted to achieve, failure to achieve what I wanted to achieve, even amidst the successes that I was having, that all I could see was the failure. And when all you see is the failure, it's really hard to not look in the mirror and see yourself as a failure and feel like a failure because you're walking around with this depression inside of your head and really inside of your soul because it just takes over your whole being. It, it doesn't relegate itself to one part of your body. It, it spreads out, you know, it's, it's like the, um, your drunk uncle after Thanksgiving who then goes over to the, to the best seat in the living room and unbuckles his pants and spreads his legs and you know man spreads all over your furniture and falls asleep and just stays there until you forcibly kick him out you want to do it as kindly as possible because it's your uncle but you know depression is depression's everybody's drunk uncle and um it has stayed parked inside me for a really long time this time and has put um my business and my family in financial peril more than once 
And, and I say that not to be self-deprecating. I say that to be transparent, not only with you, but with myself, because one of the other failures that depression leads to is an inability to care about anything, including those around you, but especially including yourself. And the ability to make it okay to have not gotten up that day or to make it okay that you sat and played solitaire on your phone all day, to make it okay that you didn't call your client back, to make it okay that you didn't turn in the form to chaperone your kid's field trip when you promised that you would and now you're going to have to explain to your child why you won't be there. Um, and to make it okay that you've only paid half your rent on time this month because you're gonna pay the other half in, in another week and what's the big deal? They're gonna have their money just a few days late. That's okay, right? We really know that it's not. But depression um, has the ability to make it okay. And I, I think of it, you know, if, if we've been in a relationship that's turned toxic, whether it's a work relationship or a friend relationship or a romantic relationship, at some point, somebody gets voted off the island. Um, I used to work at a place where it was described to me like, hey, it's really hard to mess up here, but once you mess up, you're voted off the island. And I actually got voted off the island. Um, I got voted off the island and, and ghosted and a few other things. And, and that's often, you know, it's so easy to stay in your own perspective and say, well, I got voted off the island because management sucked. And management could say, well, she got voted off the island because she sucked. And it's usually some sort of combination of, you know, where your best is either not delivering for them or you're just not doing your best anymore. And I find that it's often a combination of both in that scenario. Um, but you get voted off the island and having depression is like trying to vote yourself off of your own island every day. It's this thing inside of you that's telling you, you can't be here because I'm here and you have to leave. And I think I've spent the bulk of the last, um, if not two years, maybe 20 months or so, uh, wrestling with voting myself off my own island. And I'm, I'm really sharing this because I need to get it out there. And, you know, for those who've been in therapy, there's always that old trope of sit down and write a letter and never send it, which I think can really work if you're dealing with somebody who's abusive or toxic or just is never going to want to hear your message. Um, for me, I wanted to sit down and say this out loud. And you know what? I think this is going to be a good podcast episode, and I hope you guys agree. I finally stopped trying to vote myself off my own island, um, which is great, but I'm certainly not at the summit of the peak where I want to be. You know, if I think about reaching for the stars, I just want to get higher and higher and higher until I can launch myself out to that amazing field of stars and just bounce around and I'm just so ready to fly. The first thing I have to do before I can fly though is get healthy. Um, in addition to trying to vote myself off my own island and being really introspective, I ate a lot. Um, sitting around doing nothing all day really allows you to eat quite a bit. And for those of you who haven't seen me in a while, I think in the last two years I've gained about 90, as in nine zero pounds. And I can say, yay, one of the successes that all these failures have led me to is that I'm now 11 pounds down. And 
I've been uh, working out with our sister-in-law, Claudia, and she's been wonderful. And starting to ride bikes with the kids again. And I can tell you that just being 11 pounds down from putting on that much weight makes it easier on all your joints, as well as seeing some forward progress is just really helpful. So for those of you who are battling with this demon that's taken you away from your family, your hashtag family, your in-person family, whatever family and support system you've built, please hang in there because the small successes will start to come. The failures will start to ebb. Know that any experiences you're having that you're seeing as failures do not make you a failure. And that while depression is living inside of you, it is not who you are. It is not and will never be who you are. It, will, it may always be a part of you, just like having green eyes is, are always going to be a part of me. But I'm so much more than just a green-eyed person. I am so much more than my depression and so are you. Look for the small successes and celebrate them amidst the failures you feel like you're having because those small successes are your votes to stay on the island. They're your stepping stones. They're whatever metaphor you want to use that makes sense to you um, of the things that take you from this deep dark place to a better place. And these successes are the things that have allowed me to see and be grateful for my family who have been here with me throughout all of this and dealt with the many ups and downs and my hashtag families who have been there at a distance but have never wavered. Um, Every person I've mentioned and so many more, Jane Boyd, Liz Strauss, Jill Manti, Deb Brown, there are so, so, so many people who just help me hold my heart and connect my heart to my head and make me realize that for all the failures, the successes are bigger and the failures shape who I am, but the successes are what's going to help me reach for the stars. So while we try not to focus on success here too much because we learn from our failures, I just want to say to you that you are more than your depression, you are more than the sum of your failures, and the successes really will come. So I hope that everybody can take some comfort from that. I hope this has been helpful, if not at least a little entertaining. I've never done a podcast without a guest before, so I'm not really sure in terms of a podcast episode how this is going to hold up. And you can find me on Twitter at ggigi underscore Peterkin, P-E-T-E-R-K-I-N, Uh, Tweet at me there. If you want to have a deeper conversation, I will um, DM a mobile number where I can be reached because I'm serious about that. Um, You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me online. The Successful Failure podcast is going to be migrating to ggpeterkin.com. Once it gets launched, it's also on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, But please reach out to me if you want to talk, if you want to continue the conversation. If you have any feedback about this episode or what you want to see coming up, um, 
thank you for celebrating the success of me returning to podcasting with me. I know that you guys are out there and that you're listening and it means an awful lot. And I look forward to the next episode of The Successful Failure. I hope you guys have a great day.